And my dad had brought he passed away, diagnosed with cancer, and then he was gone. And that was in the first six months of starting the business. Although it was so hard that first year, I mean, it nearly broke me. Talking kind of very openly, you know, I've never suffered until that time from anything like depression, anxiety, anything like that. There was one point in time where I, I could barely get out of bed. It was all or nothing, you know, it's almost like a, I had to make it work because there was obviously the loan that I took out that was on the line, which was quite sizable. Obviously, the mortgage to pay and zero revenue. You can't even just start with a few clients, you know, you can't take clients over from your previous first. So it's a case of literally zero, zero income. And um, it takes a long time for the fees you earn off investments to come in. The one rule that sticks out and applies to everyone, any level of wealth, is it's all about living within your means. It's so boring. And I think you can do that at any level there may be some people who obviously are really struggling they might be struggling to pay rent bills and that sort of thing but although it sounds kind of almost like a very tough thing to say you've got to really look at your life seriously and, and where that money's going and make sure you're you're kind of living a lifestyle or the expenditure is well below as much as possible what you're what you're obviously bringing in you know there's these financial influencers that are popping up now or people who are promoting trading but systems they will sell you a course yeah they will 100% sell, sell you a course <laughs> and um, promise some kind of quick wins with them with, with money but the majority are scams of people who are really uninformed you never see someone or I've not come across someone yet who's chartered as in what I do who's highly successful you know on paper you know that they're giving they will without a doubt be giving high quality advice who's putting stuff out there Welcome to another episode of Big Risk Energy. And on this episode, I am blessed to be joined by the one and only Dan Thompson. Dan, thank you so much for coming on the show. You're most welcome. Good to be here. So Dan, you have been running a a very successful business in the UK and you've just launched in Dubai as well. How is that treating you? It's been good. You know, it's been a um, busy year, to say the least. But um, it's exciting. You know, there's a lot of change within the business at the minute, especially... um, kind of exploring the Middle East market, the cultural differences. Um, it's had its challenges, you know, as you can expect, but um, we seem to be getting a bit of traction now. So, um, yeah, it's exciting times, early doors. And was it anything to do with the uh, sort of macro environment in the UK that made you guys think about going to the Middle East or what was the driver behind that move? Yeah, I think, do you know what, it was, it was mixed. I think it was a long time coming. Um, you know, we've had clients in the Middle East for some time now and it always looked like a promising market. You know, it's the, the expansion plans that Dubai have, you know, for their population, I think they want to double it by 2030 or something crazy like that. So um, there's definitely a lot of opportunity there, but there is change in the UK. I think it is getting tougher to provide advice, you know, my industry here. Um, so I think from a risk management point of view almost, there was some sort of driver there. Um, it wouldn't, without a doubt, been. it's not the, the kind of main reason for kind of expanding over there but it definitely was a factor some of the changes in this market but um i think um yeah that's probably one of one of one of many mm, i understand and when you say it's tougher to give advice in the uk now what do you mean by that and what have you seen change and does it get better yeah i think i think there's a lot of red tape you know in terms of i mean there always has been from a compliance point of view and what i find really challenging especially because we specialize in dealing with a lot of business owners directors c-suite is i feel like that my clientele specifically you know they want the real talk you know they want they want kind of an honest view of what they should be doing and i think what's really difficult now i mean i suppose it's the same in a lot of industries you have to be really careful what you say right Mm. for compliance reasons even on this podcast, you know, you have to be a bit bit careful because there's someone somewhere that is worried about the risk that something is explained in the wrong context or or put across in the wrong way. And that's especially true when you're, it's, you're managing people's money, right? Mm. So it makes it challenging because 
if I was kind of giving you advice, for example, I would want to tell you what I do for myself, be really direct, you know, and um, and just give you kind of a, almost like the real life version. But you have to kind of balance that with what you need to be saying from a compliance perspective, mm. because there's the stakeholders involved, right? Um, I think the the legislation, although it's still um, not as de- it's still it's still it's still good, but not as developed as the UK and Dubai. I think you've got a bit more flexibility. Okay. With obviously the way you can handle clients um, but that has also been abused in the past by firms over there which mm. is one of the reasons we're there as well you know to kind of raise the standard of advice that's uh, in the in the UAE so do you feel sometimes in the UK that actually the legislation means you can't give the best advice if you're having to change it to be compliant in that way yeah I, I 100% think that um, I mean I'll probably get shot for saying that but, <laughs> but I think um, it needs to be looked at I mean there, there, there's changes that have been brought in even recently and it's 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 hard for I think s- some some people to understand that from being on the outside of the industry what you have to do to, to give the correct advice to look after clients and service mm. them appropriately and, and it's becoming increasingly more difficult and a consequence of that is there's a lot of um, there's a massive advice gap. There's a lot of people who can't receive financial advice because it's just not profitable for the firms. Um, so there's this gap where there's people who probably need financial advice the most who don't receive it because mm. it's just too time consuming, time consuming, laborious for a firm to be able to provide the advice. That's interesting. And is that one of the reasons why? Because actually, the first time I came across you was probably like a viral bit of content that you did on Instagram. Um, talking about you know making well I think it was like an analogy for was it potentially a football analogy yeah it was a yeah, football, yeah, analogy, football yeah. analogy for um, like diversification of assets yeah. if I remember correctly Spot on. and is that part of what you want to do then make that type of understanding more accessible because there are so many people who you know fall out that advice gap 100% I think I've got to a point in my career now where you start to kind of question why you're doing things and, and, and what value you're adding. And there's the, the kind of value add to clients, but then they're paying for that, right? Um, and there's that trade-off. But then there's what value you can give back to, I suppose, the wider community. And it's it's hard when you know there's a lot you can offer and you, you just haven't got the resources to get around everyone. So mm. um, starting to, to kind of do some work like this, you know, get on podcasts, speak to people, um, get f- kind of free educational content out there is, is an absolute priority now because people just don't get it. There's just not enough of it. And the content that's out there, funny enough, is from people who aren't qualified. You know, there's these financial influencers that are popping up now or people who are promoting trading But systems. they will sell you a course. Yeah, they will they'll 100% sell you. sell you a course <laughs> and um, promise some kind of quick wins with, them, with, with money. But the majority are scams or people who are really uninformed. Mm. You never see someone, or I've not come across someone yet, who's chartered as in what I do, who's highly successful, you know, on paper, you know, that they're giving, they will without a doubt be given high quality advice, who's putting stuff out there. Mm. Um, the difficulty I think that you have in my industry is you, there's a lot of red tape to post on social media to do oh, these really? things. And you have to almost go against the grain a bit and just put stuff out there and see what happens. I mean, even under the, the umbrella I work under, you know, there's a lot of restrictions and there's a lot of back and forth between me and that umbrella, mm. you know, because of um, because of obviously doing this sort of work. Yeah, it must be frustrating being someone who's very entrepreneurial and then operating in an environment where you can't take risks, right? Or you have to be very, very considered in the risk that you take, right? 100%. I mean, it's been a constant battle for me my entire career because I've always been entrepreneur and, and had ideas and, and about how to kind of implement stuff. And I've picked the worst in 
industry almost to be entrepreneurial in um but then it's a challenge right mm. you know there's a lot of people who aren't doing these sort of things or, or should be doing them and it's, it's finding a, a, a kind of solution to this mm. and getting that out there but it seems to be getting traction but it's, it's really interesting because i feel like there's um there's a, a big secret in any regulated industry which is a almost like tolerated risk by people who want to do something very very innovative in that space that okay we're going to make enough money so that when the fine comes because we get found out about what we're doing we yeah, can pay yeah. off Binance most recently um yeah. the the founder just four billion fine yeah yeah so it's a pretty big fine eye-watering something eye-watering but and he, they knew what they were doing they yeah, were like yeah fuck AML fuck everything else yeah yeah let's just go yeah let's just yeah go. and by the time they catch us we'll have taken so much market share we'll just eat the fine right yeah so I guess um it's an interesting one sometimes those claiming the most regulation tend to be the ones breaking it right I think it's almost like that saying it reminds me of is, is it um it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission mm. and I think sometimes that that's so true and I wish I'd kind of I suppose latched onto that earlier on you know and and as you kind of progress I think now with some of the risks I take I have to weigh up, you know, what is, it's just like with, with business, you know, what's the worst that's going to happen if I mm. put this out here? What's a shame is the more I think successful you get, you have more weight. So if something does happen, you know, you're less likely to be told off, they, it'll be tolerated a bit more because they mm. know you know what you're doing and you're not doing anything stupid. I think yeah. early doors in my career, you know, you'd have compliance on the door straight away and then risk probably booting you out if you said the wrong thing. Oh, really? So, yeah. So I think it, it's like anything, you know, you grab, you, you gain kind of some momentum in a career, become quite successful. You know, you have a following, have credibility. It's very hard then to kind of shoot someone down if, if they're doing the genuinely doing mm. the right thing and trying to help people. Yeah, hundred percent. Especially if you're like open to having conversations with them where they're like, Well, you shouldn't be doing this. It's like, oh yeah. didn't realise necessarily we'll you know go back yeah, yeah, and forth on these things, work on it we'll together. together. Yeah. Yeah, but you're right. I think uh, if the intention is pure and people can see that actually you're trying to do something good Sometimes legislation is just outdated, doesn't work anymore. Oh, More my industry is not, massive, right? massive. Yeah. In finance, is so so outdated. Yeah, yeah. My industry, I mean, even technology, for example. I mean, you'd find it interesting. Some of the processes and systems that are still in place is it's really far behind most of our industries. Yeah, yeah. So one thing you mentioned before, which I think is really interesting, um, talking about you know education to the people who need it most. One of the things that I think is crazy about the UK is if I want to put my entire month's wages into a fixed odds betting machine, I can do that. Yep. Zero, nothing stopping me doing that. If I want to invest in a startup, I'm yep. not allowed unless I am a you know sophisticated or self-accredited yep. high net worth. That doesn't feel fair, it's, right? It, it's, it's, it's bonkers, you know. There'll be betting shops everywhere and, and there's very little restrictions of what people can do to their finances. But if I try and get an investor's money into a startup or even something like an EIS scheme, a venture capital trust, anything like that, the loopholes I'd have to go to, you know, firstly, they'd have to be, like you said, uh, defined as a sophisticated investor or highly experienced at least. Then they would have to have a certain level of assets to almost show they can lose the money and still be okay, you know. So um, it's almost like if I had a client who had pensions, investments, brokerage account with us, private banking, only then, and if there was substantial assets in those in those solutions, mm. only then may we be able to drop a bit in an EIS. <laughs> so isn't that, isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? Imagine if Bet365 had to prove that their clients could afford to lose that money. Yeah. And watch how quickly they'd be out of business. There's something terribly wrong there. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, on the note of free education, yeah. Um, for anyone listening to this, within within what you're allowed to do from a, yeah, a compliance yeah. perspective, cost of living crisis, things are tough right now yeah. for many, many people in the UK and, and beyond. 
if you're someone who's trying to change your situation in life, think about the future, think about social mobility, where are you starting? That is a really good question and a difficult one. I think the reason it's a little bit challenging is because when people's circumstances are so different, the advice I give one person is so different to the next. But generally speaking, I think the one rule that sticks out and applies to everyone, and it does apply nearly to any level of wealth, is it's all about living within your means. It's so boring, right? And I think you can do that at any level. So there may be some people who obviously are really struggling. They might be struggling to pay rent, bills, and that sort of thing. But although it sounds kind of almost like a very tough thing to say, you've got to really look at your life seriously and, and where that money's going and make sure you're you're kind of living a or living a lifestyle or the expenditure is well below as much as possible what you're what you're obviously bringing in and then start to try and pack that away and mm. i think it, there's no one i've really met that can't do that mm. i think initially they think they can they, they can't and it does take a bit of time you know if you earn a greater salary it's obviously a bit easier mm -hmm. to pack money away start building up assets and um improve you know the social mobility piece but if you are on a lower wage it might take a bit longer but that's where a lot of people start you know that's where i started mm -hmm. you know so it's it's a slow start you know building wealth or in it or getting out of any situation that stuff is difficult but it does compound like the compounding of money happens you know mm -hmm. in, in an investment account it's really no different mm, that's amazing advice and for, from your own perspective and your journey i'd love to learn more about that because you're now with four billion assets under management yeah so where did you start so it depends how far you want to go back but I got into the industry straight out of university even though I didn't think um, it was necessarily what I, I was going to end up doing um, I was always quite entrepreneurial you know set up little businesses when I was even when I was 16 and, and the days of eBay yeah nice. you know I mean um, there's little things I did back then um, then started I suppose as a general financial advisor worked my way up then got more involved in the technical side of advice so became a stockbroker sat on investment committee meetings you know I kind of did what I think a lot of people would have done in their entire career in my 20s. So then I got into my 30s, um, decided to set up on my own. I set up the business which I have today, which is Sovereign. Um, in that process, I partnered up with um, a guy who's already highly successful, 10 years ahead of me. Um, and we essentially pulled resources uh, to have the firm we have today. Mm. Admittedly, he has a lot more of the assets than what I do. You know, he's 10 years ahead and he's, he's, done it. he's a highly successful guy in his own right. Yeah, of course, of course. But it must be an amazing feeling to be able to say 4 billion AUM. And I imagine that's something. Well, is it something you could have imagined when you first started? You know, what, how, was your was the aspiration ambition always there? Or is, it, is this now like 4 billion? Is like this is nowhere versus where I need to be? No, it's, it's crazy. You know, um, the goal push goalposts just keep moving I know you know I'm sure you can resonate with that and, and most clients of ours you know I, I see the same pattern and don't get me wrong kind of I do regularly kind of step back and think god I can't believe how far I've come and, and what's happened but um, I, I definitely think I'm in disbelief because it you know your average firm in the UK might in 20 years or so build kind of 10 20 30 million you know, i see acquisitions going on along with the time where people have built up say 20 30 million in assets you know in their town or or whatnot in the uk and and that's a lifetime of work for your average say advisor who's maybe on his own small mm -hmm. team to kind of start getting up to those sort of figures is eye-watering um but admittedly like i said you know um charles who's my, my partner you know he built the bulk of that and then i came in the last five years and and still we're we've we've in the in the our Midlands office alone are up to about 100 million. So nice. again, it's 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 something that I thought would take my lifetime. Mm. I think from here to to get to a billion 
in our specific office will probably be five, ten years from now, and that would be that would be an incredible feat. Yeah, know, yeah. There's yeah, not yeah. many firms in the UK that, that look after that amount yeah, of amazing. assets. Amazing. And I see, obviously, you're super active on social. You know, got an amazing Instagram following, doing really cool stuff on LinkedIn. Um, when did that become part of your strategy? Has that been um, something which has brought in lots of, of new yeah. clients? Like, just talk to us about that because it's not. You know, when you think wealth manager, it doesn't scream social <laughs> scream media immediately, Instagram, right? does it? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's an interesting story, and um, it, it'll probably make you laugh, actually, a little bit. So when I was in a previous role, you know, the stockbroking role, um, I used to do a bit of online influencing, like everybody did. And, and it was mainly in fitness. You know, I've trained my whole life, and I started putting um, kind of diet plans up and my workouts. And this was way before the wave of fitness influencers. This was, this was probably nearly... 10 years ago. Wow, okay. So Ahead the of the time. Yeah, I, I, without a doubt. And I remember at the time, um, I built up the following to like 300 odd thousand. And, and that was the equivalent to what would be probably a couple million yeah. today. So that was going really well. And, and obviously, I got a lot of traction, really enjoyed it. And then I set up a clothing brand like every young lad seems to have done over the last five years. So um, again, I used the skills that I built up on the influencing side to build the clothing brand. And I did that for three, four years. We sold it. I think that the reason I, I kind of sold out of that business uh, on reflection now is I could never give it my all. The investment career was kind of just, it was almost just rocketing. Yeah. And then I knew there was going to be, I was going to be setting up my own firm. So it was around the time I set up the wealth manager firm that I sold the other firm. I thought I need to put all my focus into this. Um, so my background has always been, um, I suppose, on social media to to a degree. You know, I've always been involved in marketing mm -hmm. and, and we ran our own kind of Facebook ads. So I got kind of experience with stuff like that. So it kind of transitioned over to that. So when I... Um, set up the, the investment firm I was like right I'm going to transfer these skills over I'm going to see if I can really get out of there mm. um, meet the sort of clientele I need to be meeting and then really um, it's only in the last couple of years where I've used it to give back it isn't I'd, I've not really um, been putting the content out there to acquire new clients mm. because really most of the people who see my content wouldn't qualify for us to actually give them advice you know it'd be more just putting them in the right direction so yeah. now it's more about getting um giving back you know helping people putting the free advice out there like we talked about earlier um and i suppose get improving i suppose from a very kind of selfish point of view improving credibility and reputation mm. it is it's nice to kind of um build that over time and even our existing clients you know they start to follow it and they kind of enjoy the content yeah, and yeah. Like, that's my wealth manager yeah, yeah nice no <laughs> so, i love yeah. that and I, I genuinely think like it's all about if you do have a platform using it and of course it's going to benefit you but using it in a way to help as many other people as possible right yeah. and i think that's where i see people grow and be successful is where genuinely they realize that the position they're in means that they can help others and i think that's a really powerful thing yeah and it's, it's gone down so well you know the, the the feedback i've had from putting stuff out there has really helped and we've had inquiries come in and they might not be suitable for us as clients because it wouldn't be cost effective for them you know it's, it's on both sides but we've managed to kind of refer them to someone they should be speaking to or just a, a nudge in the right direction yeah. so it's definitely um having the kind of intended outcome i mm -hmm. wanted from the start if not if not better yeah nice and would you ever go down the like um personal finance route away from wealth management there's a lot on that at the moment yeah and that's again cost of living crisis right now it's a huge area or are you not allowed to because of what you do on there you, you can um it's just it's just with its challenges so there's a lot of kind of personal finance gurus out there mm -hmm. um who are obviously incredibly popular and 
I don't always agree with some of the the content that's put out there because they're not necessarily. Sometimes they're not even even qualified to Wanna give fire advice. Some shots? No, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's just name it's, and shame. <laughs> yeah, well, I um yeah, there's a few individuals, but I think <laughs> I think they probably do more good than yeah. bad. It's just not all their content is in my opinion, particularly useful because what I think they do is they might help someone save kind of a bit by switching between savings accounts. But what they really need to be doing is something a hell of a lot more drastic, mm -hmm. you know? So um, I remember some clients came to me once and they're like, my neighbor has told me that if I move my cash savings to, I don't know, bank B, that I'm going to save like this 50 quid or, or I'll get a slightly better rate on my cash ISA by yeah. half a percent. What they really needed to do is they had too much money in cash. Inflation's absolutely smashing their money and they need to get it invested. And that's that's really going to make a dent in terms of helping them get in a, in a better financial position. Yeah. But saving kind of 200 quid a year on their savings is... is, is Okay, it's better than nothing, but it's not really going to do much. Yeah, it's not going to do as especially much. Especially 200 quid is about half a week's of shopping at the moment. Yeah, well, the, <laughs> it's probably a loaf of bread. Yeah, yeah, in exactly. yeah exactly. All right, cool. I've got five questions yeah. that I ask every guest. My first question for you is what is the single biggest risk you've ever taken and what was the outcome? Right. Um, single biggest risk I've <clears> ever <throat> taken. It is, it is probably leaving my last employer and setting up the investment firm without a doubt I think could because what was at stake at the time and because of what was going on at the time so um the the, the short of it is I was on a six-figure salary you know offer it being offered an equity position in the firm you know so it was really attractive very comfortable mm. at that point in time just hitting 30 so I'm, I'm getting into my stride you know my career I just bought my first house you know I'd waited and waited and kind of saved a deposit so I had a quite a big mortgage over my head um and then for various reasons like I need to do, I need to do this on my own you know and it's not like setting up a bakery setting up a wealth management firm you mm. know it, it's it's hard although you're helping people make bread so there you go yeah yeah I love that <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah it, it, it's a challenge and I think the problem you've got in my industry when you're younger is people perceive you as having less experience which you, you mm. of course do to some some degree so you're trying you trying to convince someone to part with half a million pounds a million pounds of their money and invest it with you at 30 years old is not that easy unless you've got an incredible reputation um the same with your professional connections that you work with, like solicitors accountants who will kind of work alongside you probably refer their clients you know very hard so um taking that leap of faith was incredibly difficult um huge risk i took out a significant amount of debt to get an office from day one mm. because you cannot take million pound clients to your house or vice versa you or don't Starbucks. really want yeah, yeah. yeah and even mm -hmm. if you go to i mean i'm sure they'd be happy for you to go around to their their house like some advisors do but you know you don't do, do that with your sister your accountant you know mm. you, you take it seriously you go to their offices and, and that's how i've always operated so all my clients come to me so to get the office from day one and do all that it put a lot of financial pressure um on myself and my partner at the time wow that is it a big was, risk yeah, oh, yeah it was it was it was um <laughs> it was it was all or nothing, you know. It's almost like a, you, I had to make it work mm. um, because there was obviously the the the, uh, the the loan that I took out that was on the line, which was quite sizable. Obviously, the mortgage to pay and zero revenue, you know, because wow. you can't even um, you can't even just start with a few clients. You, know, you can't take clients over from your previous firm, right? So it's a case of literally zero zero income, and um, it takes a long time for the fees you earn off investments to come in, you know, because they tend to be ongoing and they they're delayed, mm. you know. So um, so yeah, it was an incredibly tough year. And then a few other things happened, um, um, which made it really challenging. My dad, of course, he passed away in, so in, in the space of a few months, you know, he was diagnosed with cancer and then he was gone. And that was in the first six months of starting the business. So it was absolute um, carnage.
but yeah, without a doubt, the biggest risk I've probably I've taken. Wow, that's that's incredible, man. And um, how long after taking that risk were you like, okay, this was worth it. This this paid off. This was the right decision. I think I think even though it was so hard that first year, I mean, it nearly broke me. Uh, talking kind of very openly, you know, I've never suffered until that time from anything like depression, anxiety, anything like that. And there was one point in time where I, I could barely get out of bed, you know, and, and my partner at the time who now works in the firm, but she didn't at the time, you know, she'd leave for work and I was in tears, you know, I, I was, I felt like I was in over my head. So although there was moments like that, there was also moments where I felt I had a lot of freedom, you know, I was like, I've done this, you know, okay, we need to get some, some revenue in ASAP, but um, there was a sense of freedom. So I think I started having that in the first six months within a year, the loans were paid off. We had enough revenue coming in to to pay the bills, and we were in the clear. So we, I, I made a lot more progress. I think you, any any founder or, or startup, you know, well, not necessarily all of them, but I think you'll be surprised sometimes of what you can do when you have that amount of pressure on the and, and that amount of risk on the line. A hundred percent, a hundred percent, and I really think it taps into the the hunter gatherer thing, right? When you're in those stakes, when it's literally, I kill, we eat. I don't, we start, yeah. you know, and it's literally as stark as that. Yeah, it's you know? incredible motivation. Yeah, it really is. But uh, incredible to hear that you, you know, came through and, and we've all been through those, those horrible, tough moments yeah, as yeah. founders, entrepreneurs and, and other walks of life as well. But um, it's the most rewarding thing, right? When being able to sit here and look back and be like, look how far we've come. Yeah, it's it's incredible. I mean, I, I, I would do it all over again. I really would because although there's so, so many highs and lows, especially in that first year, um, the, the feeling you've got when you've built something, you know, yourself and, and that that kind of, I suppose it's like the fear that drives you, you know, it's a huge amount of motivation and, and you kind of dig deeper than probably realise you could to, to achieve the outcome you, you've got. So, yeah. 100%. I'm, I'm real. Thank you for sharing that, man. Okay, my next question for you is, is there anything you wish you did differently? That's, that's a really hard one because I try and live with no regrets, right? So, I think everything I do, I will look back and then think, right, I've learned something from that or try to to learn from it. Um, the, fir the first thing that probably springs to mind is I always wish I'd, and it's not necessarily doing something differently, it's, it's me probably acting differently or adopting a different behaviour, is I wish I'd been more confident and trusted my gut earlier on. You know, and I was, I was I suppose to some degree, was afraid to take bigger risks. I mean, I think they were, they were a lot bigger than probably most people do. But one thing I've learned, um, especially in the last kind of five, 10 years is, is it's better to go big. And you, you, you think, you know, if this doesn't work out, your world's gonna end. And it's not, you know, nine times out of 10, the, the worst scenario isn't really that bad. Mm. I always remember someone saying to me, you know, the worst thing that can happen really is you, you die or you go prison, right? In most cases. And most of the, in most things you do in life, you know, you're not gonna put yourself in a position mm. normally where either of those are gonna happen, right? So it's weird because I remember that now and I think, you know, like you can't, if you've got it in you, you know, you've got that fire in you, that grit, even if you, you go kind of big and you lose everything or really kind of balls it up, you know, you will recover. So I think it's um, a different, I wish I had the mentality I had now probably earlier. Mm. And then I probably would have done things a bit differently as well. Yeah, makes total sense. What are you proudest of? That is a really tough one. What am I most proudest of? I don't want to be cliche and say the business because I am obviously really proud of it. I think that what I'm proudest of is one of my main drivers behind everything I do is to 
provide a better life for my family. And the first person that comes to, to, to mind is my mum. You know, she did so much for me and my sister when we were growing up. Like dad was about, but but not as much, so to speak. And she gave up everything. You know, there's so many memories I, oh, I can think back on where even when I was, you know, a kid, I remember thinking like, I need to pay her back one day for all this which is so odd you know when you're a young child I suppose to a degree um and now I'm, I'm finding the position where I can start doing stuff to help her and um it's weird to see kind of that 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 change you know where someone's looked after you their whole life and, and been there for you and, and you can kind of I suppose start trying to give them a much better life so I had a lovely experience this year where I um while I was out in Dubai you know I got um, mum over and we spent kind of about four days together and just spent loads of time with her she saw things she'd never seen before and it's one of the best things I've probably done in my life um, as cheesy as it sounds absolutely loved it no amazing she must be super proud and that's, that's what it's all about right being able to give back yeah yeah 100% and then and, and getting all the family together now kind of everyone's settling down having children that sort of thing so my Terrifying. sister's got a little one yeah yeah we're in that age zone now where we're either people either there's little ones coming along or people are getting married mm -hmm. or whatnot so um so yeah it's nice because when we get all the family together now you know um we're in a place where we we kind of have opportunities and things we didn't have growing up you know so um yeah hope that answers your question yeah yeah no it's incredible incredible okay uh, my second to last one for you is what does it take to be successful that's a really good question again um so the first thing that comes to mind the thing i always kind of latch on to even when i'm interviewing is i think it's all about grit like there's um i don't know if it's um i can't remember her name now maybe angela duckworth there's a there's a book specifically written about a psychologist who talks about this term grit and i think they define it as being resilient having perseverance and i think that that's that's huge you know as um a business owner or anyone successful in their career i think you've got to have that you've got to there's that saying where there's is how many punches you can take and keep getting back up mm. and that's what i feel like it is it's like it being in business sometimes you know you think something great happens and then you start getting a few punches and absorbing a few more and loads of things start falling apart and you get through that and then more things happen and having that resilience you know to keep going um i think it is is one of the biggest traits you need to be successful yeah perfectly put all right my last one for you is 15 year old dan walks in the room right now what are you going to tell him change his haircut <laughs> um i don't know i'd probably tell him what i just said then yeah uh, i'd probably say trust your own kind of opinion a lot more block out everyone else's kind of keep headstrong and just just go for it you know because i wish again when i was younger you know i was a little bit more confident in my own decision making and probably took on other people's opinions a little bit too much i mean don't get me wrong you know triangulating and listening to other people's advice is so important to to make a more informed decision or opinion and i do that you know with mentors all the time mm. but then trusting your own decision making and, and, and having confidence and committing to that decision is, is so important so probably something like that yeah yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree with that and i think you're you're so right on the you know there's listening to advice when it's about like information experience those things but there's also the worrying about what people think right there's the ego side of that and that's yeah. the bit you've got to get rid of right i think so yeah. so many of us I think everyone until you hit a certain age of maturity self-awareness whatever it is we spend so much of our the early part of our lives based around what other people think of us yeah. you know and it's um it's it's so uh restrictive right yeah but it, um but it's something amazing when you break out of it yeah yeah and i think i think that's uh, age is a big thing as well right i think in your 20s you worry more about what other people think mm. you kind of i think start bridging into your 30s and then you realize 
really no one even really thinks about what you're doing in the first place you know yeah. which is quite funny so um it's nice you know getting that change in mentality yeah 100 I, I i was saying this to someone last night um i feel so liberated i'm 32 years old yeah and it's just it is just that it's like that oh wait no one actually cares about yeah, anything yeah. other than themselves like this is who i am this is what i like this is what i don't like i feel so blessed that you know i never i didn't sort of settle down in my 20s and think yeah, that yeah. how my mindset was in the 20s was what my mindset was going to be you know my world view of the 20s and yeah, yeah. that mattered to me in my 20s so uh yeah i just i i was so scared of turning 30 yeah yeah i didn't take it well yeah like, i really didn't i think i think one thing that i've always struggled with is you know like the societal rules you know like you should do this settle down this is how it should be done and and i never kind of fit fat fit into that mold um so it's nice isn't it it is it, i mean the word you use liberating i think when that point kind of comes where you just really don't care as much anymore mm. and you you trust your own judgment and you know if you're doing things right you know and, and so forth so yeah couldn't agree more love it dan where can people find you <laughs> in the midlands in my office most days but no um instagram so um which is dan tommy um and on linkedin dan thompson you know there's probably not that many on there but yeah Amazing. Daniel Legend, thank you so much for coming on. You're most welcome. Thank you for having me. Thanks for watching the episode. And if you haven't subscribed, please hit subscribe below so that you can support the podcast and we can keep on bringing you amazing new guests. If you want to see the other amazing episodes in this podcast, click into our series section. As ever, if there are any other guests or topics you want us to explore, just let me know in the comments and we'll do our best to bring someone in.